0: Welcome back to episode 15 of Fixed. I'm your host, Jessica Danielle, and with me today is Nicole Victorious. Her story is a story of how a good girl took a few wrong turns and ended up being essentially infamous and nicknamed Prison Barbie. You guys, this girl went through trauma, loss, heartache, I mean addiction recovery redemption but with that being said there's no part of her story that isn't vital and that can be taken out so we're making this into two parts part one is going to start with her early life and how she was just your average girl next door and it's going to lead up through some of her bad decisions that eventually led to um custody being being taken from her of her boys And then we will pick up at that point from part two. So, without further ado, here is Nicole. Thank you so much. Nicole is my special guest today, and she is amazing. And you are in for a real treat hearing her story. So, welcome, Nicole. Thank you for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. I am so excited. I'm like, I'm so excited. And we've had to kind of, like, move and shuffle stuff around. But I'm so excited because I've gotten to know
1: you um, the last few weeks. And you're amazing. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm excited about our friendship because I don't. <laughs>
0: I know, me too. I don't even have, <laughs> right? And we're kind of close together. We're, like, not far apart, like, from each other. Right. Which is nice because I, yeah, that's amazing. So, that's like another plus. God, God's awesome. God does some cool things. I know he has in your life and I'm going to let you share all about your experiences because man, I've read your book by the way, Nicole has a book, but we'll get to that. But she's been through it all you guys. And, um, really, really has an amazing story. So without further ado, and with that being said, how, um, I guess I want you to kind of take me back to the beginning and like how you grew up and how your life, you know, kind of took a turn. Just take me back. I
1: grew up, uh, I grew up in the South, obviously by this accent. Um, I am an only child and I used to think that my parents' divorce did not affect me, but I learned way down the line in therapy that it actually did um I was an overcomer I think I was born to be one uh when I was young I had asthma pretty bad and uh, my lungs have collapsed twice and I remember my mom and them saying that I couldn't dance and I, I used to be an incredible dancer and I was like huh Watch me do this. So that was the first thing that I did overcome. Um, I sought out, you know, a dream of a of my. I was about five at the time, and I danced from the time I was five all the way up until I was eighteen. Um, my childhood was almost unrealistic, as in as far as perfection goes. Even though my family was divorced, my mom and dad were remained best friends and they never missed any event. And when I tell you there was a lot, there was a lot, there was a lot of dance recitals, performances, you name it. I think that's so important. Absolutely. And they were both there. Um, I have a very special relationship with both of my parents. Uh, and I hate to say, especially my father because it's both of them, but, um, they're just different relationships. Um, I idolized my mom. She, uh, To this day, I still think she, in her 20s, was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. She looked just like Wonder Woman. And when we would be in public, people would think she was Linda Carter. And I think that's where I started to doubt myself because I idolized her and I wanted to be perfect for her, even though she thought I was, you know, she loved me so well. um, I think that's where my first issue began. Um, By the time... Wanting like, to live up to him. like wanting to, you never wanted to disappoint her, right? And it it became very toxic. Yeah. Um, but by the time middle school and high school rolled around, I was like the most popular girl, like literally. Um, there wasn't a ballot I wasn't on. Um, you know there wasn't an award, homecoming, all that that I did not get, and. The odd thing about that is, is I did not have any self-esteem. Like I remember when I would walk for homecoming court, I would have this idea that I was going to get booed even though I'd been voted there. And I've always been an empath. Um, I've always been very sensitive. Uh, The only time that I ever got in trouble in school was there was a guy that was getting made fun of. He was in special education And I took him back to class with me so I could protect him. And he went missing because he didn't show back up after recess. (laughs) And (laughs) that's the only time I ever got in trouble, which is kind of ironic considering the fact that I ended up in prison.
0: So Nicole continues for quite some time, continuing on the path of being good right being selfless being a people pleaser and inside however she still like it doesn't matter what she's portraying on the outside her inside felt empty and that was something that other people couldn't see but she would feel and would play a huge role in a lot of the decisions that she would make moving forward as well as the fact that people pleasing definitely had its negative impact on her life.
1: It's a very, like, like safety, uh, just, I was not reckless. Um, I got into a relationship my freshman year of high school that lasted till my freshman year of college. Um, I did not drink and drive. I did not do drugs. I have never smoked a cigarette. Um,
0: Oh my uh, God, that is so great. That is so, okay.
1: Uh, yes, I was very, very safety oriented. Like if I was at a party or something and my friends were drinking, either I would drive or I would actually call my parents to come get me because, you know, they were cool. Like, I mean, you know, and I was popular. So when the dorky thing to do, because I was very safety. I, my cousins, uh, I lost... Several of my cousins at the age of 16. They died in freak accidents. I think that affected me. Um, Watching the people that I idolized in my family because I was a baby, watching them die at a young age, it made me realize that kids do die. That is
0: really, that kids passing. Yes. Were they,
1: was it like car wrecks or was it just like, was it something great like you said? Yes. One was a car accident. And, um, the other was a surgery, uh, gone wrong where the surgeon made an accident, made a mistake and mm-hmm. called an air bubble to go to her brain, uh, and it killed her. So it was, you know, it just made me realize that things, bad things do happen. And then also during this time, you know, I did not realize that, I knew other people thought that I was beautiful, but I didn't see that in myself. And I had these dreams, like, I wanted to be, like, an FBI agent or, like, I wanted to be a goonie. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, I was, like, the beauty queen that wanted to, like, do these things. And I, I didn't think it was possible because I was a feminine female. And I, I didn't even express these thoughts to my family because I thought that I had to be other things. And I think after a matter of time, you start to hold all that in and maybe resentment start and unhappiness starts. So, you know, I was just kind of going through life and I was with the same guy for a long time and I knew I didn't want to marry him. I moved to Northwestern uh, actually to be with him when I got there and I was planning on breaking up with him. But when I got there, I found out that he had been cheating on me and it was like, I didn't want to be with him anyway, but I think that was where I had my first toxic moment to where it was like, well, I don't want you, but you, you've hurt me.
0: It and almost makes you want them
1: more in a weird way. Or- yes. Yeah. And it just wasn't normal. So, I kind of started acting out. Um, I can honestly say that I never really slept around. It's like the only thing I got right from 20 up. <laughs> That's,
0: I, I, I kind of feel that way from sort of, okay, I don't know. Well, maybe I won't
1: go there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not saying I was perfect by any means. I just, uh, 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 you know, I just, I'm play, you know, just absolutely wild. And so, you know, I, I tried to be perfect for so long. I'm at Northwestern. I spend a year there. I'm on a full paid scholarship and I just don't go to class or anything. I probably maybe got drunk three times the whole year. Um, I was just kind of like doing my thing, trying to figure out who I was. And I moved back to Shreveport. Uh, I'm working at Outback Steakhouse, having a blast, you know. And I start dating this guy that is. I'm embarrassed to say I think he was seven or eight years older than me. The Basically, the only thing I know about this gentleman is he's older than me. He's schizoactive in his name. That's it. And I've been dating him for, you know, two or three months. I'm just kind of having fun. I'm not really in love with him. Uh, he's a compulsive liar, but I don't really, you know, I'm starting to put two and two together. And I get pregnant. Oh, God. And I'm kind of like, okay, so this wasn't planned, Um, but I fell in love with my son. Um, I did not want to, it didn't even cross my mind to end the pregnancy uh, or anything like that. It was just like, okay. And I think deep down, it made sense to me that now I would have somebody that would love me for me because I knew my parents adored me, but at the same time, they didn't really know my hopes and dreams because I had... They didn't really know you.
0: Like, they didn't... Yeah. Okay. And so...
1: Yeah, I didn't
0: share it with them. Well, where's the dad? So, do you you keep up the relationship with him? Oh, well, (laughs) I'm going to get there. (laughs) Oh, God.
1: I find out that I'm pregnant uh, January the 17th of uh, 2000. And so it's probably the last smart thing that I did because things start going crazy after this. But I sat him down and I was like, look, dude, um, I don't, I'm not in love with you. I'm 20 years old and I was about to be 21. I just don't think we should be together. Nowhere in there did I say I hate you or I never want to see you again or whatever. And I, I had heard from him since. I kind Uh, of, I mean, I think that's
0: probably the best thing.
1: that Probably because um, he does have some, uh, some mental conditions. Like I've heard stories through the years or whatever, but like, I haven't heard or seen any since. So, you know, and Colby is now 23. So it is what it is. Um, But the problem with it is once again, I'm thinking that I have to live my life for everybody else. And there was a guy, that I had known, uh, I don't know, since 15 or 16. And, um, he had always had a thing for me and I was pregnant and I felt scared and alone and he proposed a marriage and I didn't love this dude. Um, and I said, yes, because part of me, I think was like, I can even get somebody to pr- propose to me pregnant, and take care of me and then part of me was trying not to embarrass my family because uh you know what i mean i'm i was raised southern baptist where you know we're in the bible Belt.
0: <laughs> you don't have to girl you know yeah. <laughs> you do not have to i i get that there is more churches on there's a church on every corner where i live i'm in
1: yeah and, and what, what's so crazy is my parents even told me not to marry him. And I, I was just being headstrong. But I did tell him, I said, I don't want to get married until after the baby's born. Um, because, you know, I did want to have the wedding. And honestly, I didn't even know if I was going to go through with it. So I'm going to buy myself some time. I'm seven months pregnant. I'm working two jobs. And I'm at Outback in the back. And the floor's wet and I slip and fall and I'm so scared that I'm going to land on my tummy and my patella money cap goes around like it dislocates and it goes around to the back of my leg. Mm -hmm. And when I hit the ground, it breaks into three pieces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like that, And I, you know, I'm wearing maternity shorts and within five minutes, my circulation's getting cut off like my legs swole that fast and God i know and my my daddy my mom and dad both but my dad is an he's just always been a protector of mine i mean my mom too but you know it's different with dads and little girls and uh he was i'll never forget the look on my mom and dad's face when they got to the emergency room and saw me Uh, And saw the condition that my leg was in. And, you know, I'm supposed to give birth in two months. And, you know, the doctors come in and they're like, this is, you know, serious. I had a decision to make. Do I go ahead and have knee surgery and not be crippled? Or do I wait because Colby's lungs weren't developed? Then do the knee surgery and possibly be crippled and I just I I had to do what was right for Colby so Mm. (laughs) I like to call it the national lampoon uh childbirth experience because, (laughs) because it's like okay like everything else has kind of been ruined I'm going to give birth to this baby. And so I'm holding my right leg. Oh
0: my God.
1: Yes. My left leg is broken and I've got two women holding my left broken leg straight up in the air. I hold my right one and give birth to Colby.
0: I have this. Like I have it envisioned in my head. Yeah. It was crazy.
1: (laughs) I mean, and I, it was just crazy. And you know, the second they laid my child, uh, you know, on my chest, it was like, Nothing else mattered. Um, I just, you know, you you have children, you know what it feels like. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to be all right. And they couldn't do the knee surgery for six weeks because that's protocol after childbirth, blood loss, or whatever. And the first knee doctor that I saw is very respectable and he knows what he's doing. And I was on the operating table for, I think, six hours. And he came out and he told my parents, he said that it looked like I'd been in a massive car accident or I was an NFL football player. He had never seen such massive damage um, on a leg just from a slipping fall. Now remember, I was working at Outback. And yeah, he, like you know, there was pins and screws and everything. and you know, I've, I've got to do therapy. And it's just I'm not getting better. Um, I'm struggling really bad. And it was one of those pivotal moments where I wish I would have listened to him, but he had an idea about a different doctor in town that could possibly do some different like experimental uh, things to, you know, to try, to try to help me. And this doctor has absolutely no moral compass whatsoever. And he did think that I was attractive. That came out later. So I go to see him, right. I go to see him and, um, at first he's going to do a scope and everything and look around and my starting dose. Now, remember, I'm not a drinker. I've never done drugs. Never even smoked a cigarette is Oxycontin 80 with Percocet breakthrough and, um, ambient asleep and Xanax because I'm struggling with this and I'm in therapy, uh, at first, got the whole package. Yeah. Like three days a week, you know, trying to do all this and that. And it's like, I'm just trying to manage. I'm not, I am in a lot of pain, but my son is my main focus. I am not married yet. Um, I'm actually living with my dad, my dad, and I got an apartment because I can't walk and I would legit, be in a wheelchair, and I would put my son in a laundry basket. I tied a rope to the wheelchair, to the laundry basket, and that's how we would get around. Um, oh. <laughs> because- Girl, maybe you were made for prison, though,
0: because that's some, like, you know, <laughs> prison, that's some crafty, that is some crafty-ass stuff. Let me tell you, you learn a lot uh after prison, too, like, just, like, how, yeah, wow, uh, I'm impressed. That's
1: impressive. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I had to make do. And in the process of everything, like I said, at first I wasn't, you know, taking the, all the medicine that I was prescribed. Um, I was taking it, but not that much because it was so strong. And...
0: <sighs> so if You just... weren't, like, in love with it at first. Like, you weren't one of the, like, you, it wasn't... I did not
1: take it and feel any kind of, like, I didn't have the euphoric feeling. I wasn't, like, in love with it. Um, You know, it it just, the one thing that I did notice is when I was on it, the filter that I had monitored so strongly, my whole entire life was gone. Like, the worried about what everybody else was gone. Like, that was, that kind of did happen, but I didn't notice it until later on you know like okay wait a minute I don't care so much about what everybody else is thinking and I'm having to learn to walk and you know Colby and I learned to walk together oh
0: Um, I love that
1: he you know he was just my whole world and I now like I said when Colby was eight months old is when I do marry I marry a man that um, I just do not love I'm not in love with this dude at all and I'm not happy, Um, but I'm still not like abusing the drugs. I'm in therapy. I personally felt that he was staying with me because a settlement was coming because Outback did not have the OSHA uh, rugs or the mats or whatever. Yeah. And they had been there a week before because there was an accident a week before my accident. And they said, you've got two or three days to get these down. And they didn't do it. And then look what happened to me. So, like, you know, there's money coming or whatever. And I honestly think that that was why he stayed. Because he did cheat. But I'll be straight with you on that. I didn't care. And then, you know, I just didn't care. And I left him. Colby was about three years old. And it was the week before Easter. I'll never forget it. Um, We were driving down I-49. And I looked in my rear view and there was a bald spot on the top of his head. Mm. And I'm like, what is that? You know, like what in the world? And, you know, I get him home and I look and I call the doctor and it's, you know, something I had never heard of. And, you know, we're going to these appointments, it's alopecia and there's three types of alopecia. There's areata, totalis and universalis. Universalis is worst case scenario um it means that you're totally hairless like you don't even have the hair on the inside of your nose or anything like that um but all the years that i had spent taking up for everybody else and how sensitive i was to other people's feelings um now my son is going to be different. His hair's falling out in patches. Um, He looks like oh, he's got baby. them made. And um, I couldn't shave his head. I look back and regret that. It would have been better. Like, I finally did, but that first year, I didn't. And my son had these really long eyelashes, like, like mine, and they were so beautiful. And I just remember getting to the point to where, okay, if he'll just keep his eyelashes, like, I was so concerned about that. And I've already graduated. I became a medical esthetician. And um, like they, they did amputate my kneecap, by the way. That was the last operation.
0: Is that the last operation that you end up? You've had a lot of, cause you've had your medical history, which, you know. is the... Yeah. But I mean, it's enough to keep, I mean, it wouldn't be hard to get doctors to continuously prescribe things. But was this with the amputation of your kneecap? Was that the last
1: thing that, as far as operation? That was the last knee operation. I, it's somewhere between nine and 13 operations. Um, oh my God. They amputated my patella. Uh, the second to last operation, they took out a big piece of my right hip, left hip, sorry, to put underneath my patella to hold it into place, but that didn't work. So, um, you know, so they just go ahead and they do this patelectomy and I, I am dependent on these pills at this point. I know I'm dependent because if I don't have them, I don't feel good, but yeah. I'm not out of control by any means until Colby, just his hair, it just, you know, it just kind of sent out. you
0: over the edge. Especially-
1: just, we were in Walmart and, um. It was Christmas time and you know how they build this Oreo cookie, um, castles and stuff like that. Yeah. This whole family is staring at him. And it was not like that's the first time it happened. People would look at him like he had three eyeballs or something. And, but I just kind of had it and the whole family staring at him and I just took my buggy full of groceries, crashed into this Oreo castle at Walmart, cussed the family out, told them I knew that now they had something to look at. And I was just heartbroken because I could not, um, I couldn't protect him. He's getting ready to go to kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And I, I just was beside myself and, uh, I went and I got home that day and I popped a a couple pills to, to deal, to dull that pain, you know? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do this. Like, I, I don't want to feel anything because I got really angry at God because it was like, how could you, how could you, I took up for everybody. I'm a good person. And now my son, my son is um, different Different. and Mm -hmm. fun of Uh, little did I know is like, I I remember thinking, how can I teach my son something I don't have? I don't have self-esteem. I don't know how to do this. When I, when I walk in a room, and everybody turns to look at me, I think it's because I've got a booger stuck to my face or something. It's not because I don't realize it's because they think I'm pretty. So how can I teach him to have self-esteem, you know, like, yeah. And, but I, Colby was to teach me, but I let myself get in the way. And, um, so I become, um, a medical esthetician. I'm working at El Dorado Casino as lead at lead esthetician with millionaires and billionaires. And I impress the right people. There's a lot of movies that are shot um, in Shreveport Bozier. I on movie sets. Um, my son's with me on movie sets. You know, I've met a ton of movie stars and I am taking up to around 40 to 50 perks a day. Can I
0: say something? So I want to jump in in your book.
1: One of the things that I thought
0: was interesting, it's like a sentence in there and I but um you said that like at some point in time, which I it might have been before this point, but you said you would make sure to kind of always bring up the pain, yes aspect because you wanted you were kind of hoping to find like oh. a dealer, right? Well, I used to kind of do this something similar. And because eventually you can kind of spot the people, but I, what I was kind of like you, I originally, I didn't run around with like a bad, like, you know, a bad crowd, at least not while I was on pills necessarily. So I would like try to find other hookups, but I thought that was really interesting that you would bring that up to try to, you know, see if you could get a hookup naturally. Right.
1: Absolutely. And I wasn't looking for a dealer at that point. Um, I had a lot of clients that were like really wealthy and had uh, prescriptions out the wazoo because this is before um, the opioid epidemic where they monitored everything. So like, I can't tell you how many times I would bring it up to a client and they'd be like, Oh, well I've got a bottle of this, you know, in my room, I'll give it to you. Like I was looking, I, I hate to say handouts, but you know, whatever uh, that, cause I wasn't, thinking dealer just yet I wasn't opposed to it but I do uh while I am working at El Dorado that is where I do meet my my main dealer uh I was complaining about the pain to a receptionist and she's like oh well, my boyfriend um sells you know all of it and I'll never forget how I felt um waiting in the parking lot to meet him because like I was Miss Goody Two Shoes America Uh, And now I'm meeting some guy like I remember thinking the feds are watching or something like that's how naive and ignorant I was.
0: (laughs) That had to be so that had to be so weird to do. But, you know, um, another thing that you say in your book is that you ended up being essentially probably his best client. And that's come to find out. Right. Like, like us little, you know, like I hate to say it, but like now I mean, like naive, like you know, just little girls that find these people were paying like, you know, top prices, at least in the beginning until you figure, or at least for me, like they were charging me way more than they would charge other people because they knew that, that I had the money and I was consistent and they loved me, you know, like they loved me. I mean, I'm so much money, but it was like, oh, I wish I would have.
1: Right. <laughs> and that's how it works and it it was like and then I was making like a ton of money I was making around five or six grand a week um and this was in like 2004 and five um that's you know a lot of money for a single woman you know absolutely so I could afford my habit and then I also got involved with the National Alopecia Areata Foundation um so I was traveling a lot and the irony is is I'm helping other moms deal with the fact that their children have alopecia and every single night I'm eating Xanax and crying myself to sleep. Like Mm. I, you know, I'm I'm trying to help others when I'm just lost myself, you know, and I just couldn't, you know, the first day of, of Colby's kindergarten year, uh, his first day of school was so traumatic for me. And I like I walked him in because it was kindergarten and we we're allowed to do that. I remember my little boy standing in front of everybody. And uh, he said, uh, as you can see that I'm bald, uh, you know, I don't have any hair. I have alopecia universalis. And that just means that my immune system attacks my hair uh, like a villain does and it won't grow. And my mom is involved with the National Alopecia Areata Foundation and there's hundreds of kids just like me. It's not just me. And I'm not different than you or anybody else. And I remember watching my five-year-old son stand there on his first day of school.
0: That is, like, the cute. I mean, like yeah. that's, like, that's yeah. like the most
1: amazing thing ever that he, that had to make you. Oh. Right. It was, like, he's going to be okay. I'm not, you know. And yeah. Looking yeah. back, I made his condition about me. And I regret that. Terribly bad, um, but I, I I didn't do it intentionally, you know. And what? go ahead. I said, oh, I just said, of course not. It was just, you know, it was just difficult. And you know, my life is going pretty. Everybody thinks it's going well. I'm, um, you know, I've got this great job, and I'm, you know, with celebrities, and you know, I'm making all this money, and I'm just not happy, and I'm eating these pills. Now I've got a dealer, and. 2009 rolls around and there's this guy that I hadn't seen in nine years and everybody knew that he was in a crime family and he had been in prison for a uh, robbery of pharmacies mm. uh, and they did not find the drugs. The money or the gun. so and because his family has a lot of money the charges got dropped to simple robbery instead of armed robbery which is why i only got the nine years it was closer to ten and uh so he is about to get out and, or he had just gotten out and i couldn't wait to see him and he does not know that I have a habit because the last time he had seen me, I wouldn't even say a cuss word. So, <laughs> so he's in for a real treat whenever he gets out too. He's going to find you. Okay. Right. Okay. So, right. So, um, you know, I remember I was sitting, um, I actually have a picture Brandon took at my husband now of the exact spot where he entered my life again. Um, it's a pretty powerful shot but I remember sitting in my fancy car watching him walk towards the vehicle. I had a couple of clients that day and he was bringing me uh, pills and uh, my intuition told me, um, do, you know, don't do this, but I ignored it because, you know, I'm real. I talk about these things. My husband now is my best friend. So like, I just, I just tell the truth, you know, the connection, which was not of God that I had with this individual, I just fell madly in love with him. It was like, he was a powerhouse, like Bonnie and Clyde, Joker and Harley Quinn. um, Yeah, 100%. And I'd spent my whole life being perfect. And even though I had this hidden addiction, um, you never kind of, but I do feel like
0: the being perfect, being, um, being so good can almost like you probably had a side of you that was,
1: that this was really exciting for you. Yes. I was a ticking ticking time bomb. (laughs) Like I said, I was always safe in high school because I had, you know, my cousins, their death affected me and I'd always played it safe. And I was just a ticking time bomb. There's no other way to say it. And um, he, you know, it was instant, you know, uh, he's back in my life and we spend a couple months together and he leaves my house to, cause he's going to move in with me. And I'm in this big, nice, fancy house, which ironically is four houses down from where my mom and stepdad live today. And he's gonna, uh, move in with me and, uh, he's going to get his stuff and, uh, he does not come back. And I'm like, what, what? Like, cause I knew he was going to come back. Like we had this uh, connection and I'm like, what's going on? Like what happened? And he had gone up the road to the Taco Bell and passed out in the drive through and was on probation or parole for, uh, from the robberies and had like 11 months left or whatever. He only had one pill in his pocket when they, they called it. If
0: you're on, pro- yeah, if you're on.
1: Yeah, so he's got to go back. So they take him to Bozier Max and it's 11 months, you know, and I waited out. And in this 11 months, I think I spent around 12 grand uh, putting money on his books and money on the phone. We were talking three or four hours a day. I'm missing work. Um, I did get a settlement from Outback of $238,000. Um, so I, and then I'm making good money. Uh, so I, at the time I had savings going, it's going fast.
0: So keep in mind that at this point in time, her son Colby is about nine or 10 years old. He had been adopted by the man that Nicole really didn't love early in life right he had signed essentially his rights to be Colby's father so when Nicole leaves him and wants to be with someone else she has to go essentially ask this man to sign his rights back and he was unwilling to do so which ends up leaving Colby just feeling lost because the guy just pretty much vanishes, and it leaves Colby with a huge emptiness and craving for a father figure.
1: Mm. So, he uh, falls in love with this uh, criminal and starts to idolize him. Uh, Because, you know, I tell people all the time, the devil does not show up looking like a monster with horns. Um, He shows up looking like exactly what you want. Uh, You know, otherwise it wouldn't work.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And so Colby knows that he's in, you know, Bossier Max and he knows that we're going to get married and he's like all for it. You know, he's going to have a family. He's going to have a dad. He's all excited. This and that. And so, you know, I'm spending all this money and everything and I run out of, of money right before he gets released. And my best friend at the time was like, well, you can come out here because she had like a six or seven bedroom house that had been donated to her. And she's like, y'all can come live out here with me. So that's what I do. You know, I've, I've down to nothing, you know, I've just wasted all this money.
0: What are your parents thinking? Cause that's one of the first signs that my parents thought because I I made a lot of money too with uh with my when I was still a functioning addict but I know my parents were getting curious like you're making all of this money right where is it going but you're right. always broke
1: well what I did was is I I became so uh I, I guess I don't I obsessed would be the word like I I legit walked in and quit my job at El Dorado um Because, I mean, it was getting in the way of me talking to him on the phone and we were going to get married and all this stuff. And I'm high and I'm not thinking clearly. So, like, they think they think that I'm having to leave because I lost my job. Uh, They're starting to get suspicious about the pill taking. um, And I think that they thought I lost my job because of that, uh, because they're starting to notice my personality is a little off, you know. But Mm, I didn't. I quit. Like, I quit. And I'll never forget it. Uh, he got out um, on an August night at midnight. And just, it's so twisted. Me driving out to Plain Dealing, which is where Bosier Max is. Waiting on those gates to open. Like, this was my fairy tale. Like, really, Nicole? It's so,
0: that is that just has to be like the crazy. Yeah. Just, for you for you you know like right your life like now it's like knowing knowing how you were and how you were raised your entire the majority of your life for you to your prince charming's coming out of
1: prison yeah right. like and my that's, right and my parents have no idea that i'm with this guy none oh. like none because everybody knows who he is like He's like
0: infamous, right?
1: So, like, they have no idea. So, I stood there, you know, and the and the gates opened, and it was just this connection, and that was, you know, I I now know was so not of God, and a distraction of who I was meant to be versus, you know, what I was about to become, you know, which was not what I was meant to be, and. We, you know, spend a couple days together and he wants to have a baby and everything. And he's like, let's go get married. And, you know, when I married my first husband, we had a huge wedding, like the dress, the cake, the, you know, the whole thing. So I don't, you know, like I said, I've lost everything. Uh, we go to the justice of the peace. Uh, there was a little place out in Greenwood, Louisiana. And it was so crazy because I'm not going to say his name but my name is Natalie Nicole and I make the joke now only the police call me Natalie. I've always been called Nicole. Uh, Natalie just wasn't used. My mom wanted me to use my middle name and he goes by his middle name. So it was like this moment, like that, you know what I mean? Like we had these automatic aliases, you know, like, yeah, right. And, right. Like, you know, the stars that aligned or or whatever, and we get married and I go to the doctor. Cause I'd always had like female issues uh, with my menstrual cycle and things like that. And not to mention by now I'm 32. Right. Okay. And the doctor's like, you're probably not going to be able to get pregnant. And if you do, you'll probably miss Gary. And I, he was bummed out. I was just kind of like in this haze, like, You know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And three weeks later, I was pregnant. That is so,
0: okay. So that is.
1: Yeah. So now I, this is my first feeling of regret. Not that I wasn't in love or anything like that, but he has a history. You know, we're only 32 years old and he has done. I think a total of 13 years in prison already. Um, he's got his son that was given up for adoption. I mean, like, I'm starting to think, like, are you about to be a single mom again? Like, what's going on? I'm, I was excited about the pregnancy, but also scared. And my parents don't even know I'm married, let alone pregnant. Um, I posted on Facebook, like a moron, and that's how my mom and dad find out that I've married a criminal. Oh God, your poor parents! Right. The only thing that I do right is, in the eleven months that he is in plain dealing, we were gonna change. We were gonna be sober. We were gonna. You see what I mean? We had a plan. So I went and got on Subutex, and I got one prescription, one month supply, and weaned down. So the night that he got out. I had been sober for one month because we were going to try to have a baby. Right. And that, you know, I, that meant something to me. So I instantly get pregnant and I am sober, but I'm also very transparent. I wasn't sober for the right reasons. I wanted to get high. Like I was miserable. I couldn't wait to have the baby. So I, I it, it just, it is what it is. Yeah. And, um, things start to go, not as expected. Um, I'm head over heels for this guy. And, um, you know, I I, I say that I think he, he loved me, but I don't know if he has the capability to do so. Um, He starts being kind of like verbally abusive and like um, I'm sick a lot because I'm pregnant. I'm throwing up a lot. And, I remember, you know, he'd be like, "Well, I, I want it from you, but if I can't get it from you, then I'll go somewhere else and get it."
0: I think that. if he if he had been, it, it kind of so in a way, it kind of like makes sense to, um, me because I lived like a like in that criminal world for a little while, and men treat women very very differently. In that world, they're not. um they're not seeing – they definitely don't see women as equals. They definitely don't respect them. Right. And, and they – I mean, it's all baby, It's all like – I mean, even – a lot of times even like the na- the names, like the baby mama, they – I mean, straight up, it will be like, oh, yeah, how many baby mamas you got? You know, oh, that's my baby daddy. Like, they really do, I mean, say that kind of stuff. And then a lot of people will say, oh, that's my wife. They're not really married or – old lady they'll call him like it's like I don't know I always thought that was very odd but I I mean it's like very normal
1: in that world it is and the thing is with him is he felt like he hit the jackpot because he married like the most popular girl in school the Miss Goody Two-Shoes the one that didn't sleep around so it was really about ownership for him like um property um because I wasn't the dope whore. Like, you know what I mean? Like a thousand percent. So it, yeah, it was like, okay, here we go. Like, and it was like ownership and he would start to like cut me down and, and things like that. And, um,
0: he, how long did y'all end up being together?
1: Cause he, um, technically we were married, uh, 10 or 11 years, but, Uh, I don't really count it. Um, I'd say we were together for two years and you'll uh, you'll understand why. Um, so there's, he starts using immediately when he gets out. Okay. Of course he does. And I'm pregnant and he, he was an IV drug user. Um, I don't know anything about that at this point. Um, I mean, I know he was one, but I don't, you know, know what it is or know how to do it myself, or he wasn't doing it in front of me, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. He would be in the bathroom a lot. There's a lot of uh, criminal activity going on that I do not speak on. Um, And I'm just kind of like, this is a big deal. Like this, this is, this is bad. But on the flip side of things, I was kind of drawn to it because it was so different you know and I was yeah you know, I was very loyal um you know I, like I said I won't speak on it
0: but it's it, it is it is um in the beginning very um right. it's it's almost it's like almost oh uh, it's almost being addicted to the lifestyle of like of having no responsibility having like just kind of like going with like the like what I mean you were pregnant it's, you know, a little bit different, but, but still like, it's just this, it's something that people like you and I that grew up, you know, getting good grades, like doing what we were supposed to do being, you know, like the good kids, most of our life, like we never really got that, like, just whatever experience. So it's like, it, yeah, I mean, it, right. it is exciting yeah. at first.
1: It, right. And it's like, he was also the unattainable. Um, like he wouldn't commit to nobody, like wasn't going to be married or anything like that. He had no tattoos because he was a criminal and that will mark you. And he got this, you know, he's got his whole side says, um, I'll, I'll I'll love you, Nicole Michelle forever in my handwriting. Uh, you know, so like in a way I kind of got off on that because he was the unattainable, you know, and he had committed to me but. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of witnessing things and things are going on and everything, and I'm just kind of dealing with it. And it's Valentine's Day of um, 2011. And Valentine's Day at that point had always been my favorite holiday because I'm hopeless romantic and, you know, yada, yada, other than New Year's Eve. Uh, and we were on the phone and... At that point in time, if you dropped your phone, the battery would fly out the back. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Like like the old phones? Like, yeah, 100%. So then you'd have to put the battery back in and then restart it. And it would take a good, you know, what, 60 to 90 seconds or whatever to get it back on. So uh, I had walked out to uh, where our washroom was at our house because we we did move into our own place, um, you know, once he got out. And we're talking, I dropped the phone and once I get the phone back together, I uh, call him back and he's not answering. I'm like, what's going on? Uh, I guess he'll call me back. And within about 10 minutes, I hear his truck pull up and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's here to surprise me. You know, it's Valentine's Day and I was excited. And um, he came flying in the house and picked me up by my throat. Uh, and he had me up, um, he's a very large man, uh, had me up off the ground, holding me by my throat, choking me, um, calling me a whore saying that, um, you know, I was cheating on him and where was the guy, you know, he's throws me down and, uh, he's looking through the house, you know, thank God Colby was at school at this particular point and, uh, he's looking for a a person that's not there. You know, I'm not cheating on him. You know, he thought that I hung up or something because my boyfriend walked in or I guess, I don't know. And uh
0: it's just it's it's such a manipulation tactic too because I'm sure he was probably oh, he
1: was. I'm geez. yeah. Yeah, trust me, he was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm just kind of like in shock, you know. And when he came when he came back in after picking me up from my throat, he just started punching me and that had to be so scary. I, I I don't think, and I think you have to go through it to really understand it. Um, because I knew I didn't do anything to deserve it, but it was just like, I can't believe this just happened to me. Um, I can't, but now
0: you've, you probably felt
1: so stuck. I, I did, but I think what so many people don't realize when it comes to a domestic violence um, relationship is, is A, you're brainwashed. B, you're addicted to it just like you are a drug. Yeah, And I believed that he just loved me so much that he had to do that because he loved me so much.
0: Mm. I didn't
1: think it was because I did anything to deserve it. It was because he just loved me so much. And I was devastated and I was in shock. And, uh, I think I went numb, you know, like for just numb. Yeah. Uh, And I was worried about Collins, you know, that's my son, uh, my youngest son. And it was scary. Um, and then it, it, it starts happening a lot you know he he dragged me by my hair um you know just backhand me for no reason and um he's getting high a lot and i have always had a gift that that god gave me um i have a very very strong uh, intuition i've had dreams my whole life that came to pass and you know just got feelings and i was 8 months pregnant and, I woke up that morning. I said, don't go what we're calling work. Don't go to work today because you're not going to come home. And he was like, quit being ridiculous. And I said, I'm not being ridiculous. Please don't go. I said, I'm going to be having this baby, um, any minute. And like, please don't go. And he went anyway. And he did not come home. Um, it was a heroin deal gone wrong, but they never found the heroin. He was actually on private property through the drugs and got a bogus trespassing charge and once again was on, still on parole. Goes to prison. You're pregnant now. Well, well, here's the thing. There's not really like a charge. He had permission to be there because he knew the people, but when he gave his name, he... He gave his first name, which nobody knows him by, because that's all the cop did. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, the yeah. first name. If he just said the middle name, the guy would have known who he's talking about. So there was really no charge. So DeSoto Parish takes him in and they hold him for three and a half months. Mm. And, and And it was just like ridiculous because, I mean, there was no charge. Had they found the heroin, there would have been a charge, but. You get my drift. I'm not yeah. I'm looking at it like he's the victim, you know. I'm right. devastated and I'm I'm gonna give birth alone again. God. Yeah. So my family is unaware of the abuse. Um, I'm just kinda like not coming around a lot and um you know, just making excuses and things like that and my mom Uh, I'll never forget it Uh, when I was in the hospital and they were checking. I think the beatings caused a problem. They found something wrong and they were like, look, we've got to take you in now for an emergency C-section. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'll never forget (laughs) the look on her face Um, because by then she knew that something was definitely wrong with my life, and they're gonna cut me open. You know, I'm I'm her baby. Yeah, and he's in. You know, he's in stuck in Desoto, and they'll look on my mama's face, Um, just so heartbroken mm. that her little girl was going through this alone, and and everything, and um. Collins was born and his left lung blew, it became a pretty serious emergency. And then I remember hearing, um, the doctor say, you're losing a lot of blood. Um, you're, uh, losing a lot of blood. And then I had, I said, mom, go be with Collins. And that's the last thing that I remember. So, um, they had to take Collins to a different hospital because of a, a NICU situation.
0: Right. Right. Like a ch- good. Like a right. Ch- and
1: I, and I had to stay where I was at and you know, Colby is Colby was, a, was 11 when uh, Collins was born and I'll never forget it. I'd lost a lot of blood and everything like that. And I felt this little hand in mine Oof. and uh, I, he said, mommy, Uh, my little brother's gonna be fine but I'm not gonna leave you I'm gonna take care of you and I I I was just so scared and I was like okay I said baby I'm gonna take care of you I just gotta get better you know I had c-section it's gonna be all right and uh he did my 11 my 11 year old son uh did not leave my side. Stayed at the hospital and everything. Collins turned out to be fine. He, he didn't even have to stay in the NICU that long. And when I left the hospital, they gave me 30 Percocets for that C-section, which I managed to take in about a two-day time span because my, I, right, my tolerance had kind of dropped a little bit uh, from the nine months and I was using.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'll... Um, no,
0: I mean... You, like, kind of go back to, it, even if your tolerance drops, that's why a lot of, sadly, people die getting out of rehab, getting out of prison, getting out of, you know, something like that. Because if they start using again, they just kind of think they can handle right. it. So, yeah.
1: Right. And I knew that. And I and I didn't want to die. I've, I've never been suicidal. And I had a baby. I was trying to be cautious, you know. Right. Right. So, but, you know, of course I call his people, you know what I mean? In my drug habit, this is where it, 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 it really starts to, to tank. Uh, so Collins is, and it is so embarrassing, you know, because my ex-husband was like the model in me. like he's a master manipulator. He's also got something called an eidetic mind. He's a genius and uh so like the cops the police up there also knew it was a trespassing charge that so was kind of bogus and so they were good to him so they let me you know they said i could bring my son up there and my daddy who has been my hero my whole life um comes yeah. and picks me up to take me to Desoto parish Lock up so my husband can meet his newborn son, and I so shameful to know that I brought my my little boy, you know, into this jail. It was so nasty, so he could hold him or whatever. And I thought it was a beautiful situation, and just just so dumb.
0: Drugs change your mindset. I mean, right? And that
1: had to be the craziest thing for
0: you. Like, I mean, at the time, I'm sure that you weren't really thinking necessarily, like, about your dad doing this. But, like, I'm looking at it from the perspective of, like, your dad is probably, like, probably, like, oh, my God. Like, what? And, you know, like, just, like.
1: It was terrible uh, because, like, my daddy, um ha- he taught me the meaning of quality time. Like, we we spent countless camping trips. He's a survivalist. So am I. Uh, in 97, we backpacked across Alaska. He never missed one single event. Um, I have the most perfect father in the world, oh, and um, you know I just knew he wasn't ready for that. And I think I think Collins was three or four months old, about three months old when he came home. And I had hoped that things would get better, but they don't. Uh, the abuse starts right back up the beatings are worse because I'm not pregnant Um, there are there's so much criminal activity going around me Um, you know it's ridiculous my oldest son is constantly taking care of my baby son because I'm getting the crap beat out of me and there's parents
0: know they has has the oldest son told you
1: Colby right okay but see what was so horrible was it was like Colby wasn't he was it messed him up. Like Colby's fine now, but it messed him up because it was like, he just thought this was family or something, you know? So like we we were all living in secret and I think he was being loyal to you. Right. Yeah. And he, he also would see how upset I would get if he went away to prison. So like, Colby, we're just all in this together, and Colby's taking care of Collins, and, you know, I'm getting beat up, and there's criminal activity going on and everything, and what I don't realize is my mama is, you know, praying for this man to be removed, like, they're figuring it out, because I'm not coming around, like, when you're in a domestic violence situation, um, they isolate you purposely, (laughs) so like they're not seeing me, and going back to uh, earlier when you was talking about cheating, what I what I forgot to say was, I went for a pregnancy checkup, and you know how they check you for everything, like STDs and everything. Oh yeah, I never had one, and uh, I I tested positive for chlamydia, <laughs> and uh, I'm so ashamed.
0: Did you like, say? Did you get mad at him? I couldn't.
1: Because you're scared um, of him. Because I knew that um, he would blame me and oh. beat me up. So what I did was I said I had a really bad UTI bacterial infection and that uh, he needed to take the antibiotic too. So it mm-hmm. wouldn't come back to me. That's how I handled it. I mean, that's
0: smart, but like I would have had... I'll give you so much credit for the amount of um, restraint that, because I, I have anger, like I, I'm like that's one of my personal um, character defaults. Is I can fly off the handle, like I can get really mad, and this has been something like my whole life, zero to one hundred in 0.2 seconds. I've gotten
1: better, but that would have, I would have lost my mind. My anger starts. After he goes away, I think I just kind of held things in for too long. But, um, on my 33rd or 34th birthday, um, we are, um, he comes in with drugs and, um, you know, which was nothing new, but he was like, we're shooting up. Um, That's what we're doing for your birthday. And I don't care if you want to do that or not. And I'm not playing victim in this role, but like I knew the outcome. It was like, I just didn't have it in me to fight, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So that's what we did. And I remember um, it was cocaine. uh, First. And then um, I shot up pharmaceuticals. That was what my problem was. Um, I basically became a chemist. I could break anything down. But um, I remember praying to God that I wasn't going to die. I was just so scared. It was like this darkness. Um, but the rush, you know, the rush gets you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once and, you go to right a needle, there is... Um... It's like you can know that getting up to that point that you have an issue and a lot of you, I mean, a lot of us can hide it. Not, not everyone is capable of hiding it, but you can hide it for a while, but then that needle hits and it, you, every care in the world vanishes.
1: And so what's the rush hit? It was like, okay, like I didn't really like the, the needle aspect of it, but the rush and it kind of took over. Um, I was. I've always had. Uh, like I said, I had an asthma when I was little. You really can't see my veins. Um, so I, I instantly started in my legs and feet. Um, because that was really the only place to. Plus, I was trying to hide it. But things just get, you know, things just keep getting darker and darker and darker and. We end up deciding that we want to go to Vegas. And um, so we go and <laughs> I've, I was a downer chick, you know. Um, yeah. I didn't really, you know, the cocaine. Yeah. But I didn't really like the cocaine. But so we're in Vegas and this is kind of off subject, but this is when Heath Ledger, the Joker, was a big deal oh uh, yeah yeah you'll you'll understand the reference in a second so uh he disappears like we get to the hotel room and he disappears for like several hours and I'm getting mad he's not answering the phone he comes back he's got a bag of dope it's red it's meth and he's like we're doing this and I guess he gave me way too much um because I can't hear anything I can see him clapping at me trying to get me to snap out of it. Um, I remember looking out the window, I could see the stratosphere and I thought that that was a needle in my neck. Um, like it was that severe and I had to take all my clothes off um, for whatever reason. I was stuck, I don't know how long I was like that. Um, then I finally start to kind of, you know, come down a little bit. I don't sleep the whole entire time we're there we're walking the streets and like Heath Ledger Joker is not what you want to be looking at when you've had that much red phosphorus
0: oh my god
1: heck no I
0: mean that was right. like, that's the greatest Batman villain of all time that's like the sca- right
1: yeah. <laughs> and I'm like hi I've been up for two or three days and he disappears on me again and like when he comes back He's got these um, red, uh, like, fingernail scratches all down his back, you know, from sex that I didn't do. I'm just heartbroken. And I guess the meth was just kind of, like, going to let me say what I want to say. So I start screaming and hollering or whatever. And he, he beats me up pretty good. And he leaves again. He's gone for a couple hours. He comes back. I'll never forget this chick. Her name was Daisy. She was in a red dress. She had the ugliest feet I'd ever seen in my life. Oh, God. She's a prostitute. She's a street prostitute. I'm not judging her. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Fine. It,
0: she was. She was. Whatever. It's just fact. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sharon wasn't something I was into, especially, like, with him. He, like, cheated on me all the time. Like, I was too damaged and beat up. Why the hell would I, you know, want to do that? And he's like, we're going to have this threesome. And I'm like, to hell we are. And he backhands me hard enough to knock me out. And when I wake up, um, they're having sex on the bed. (laughs) And I lose it. I run and jump in in the bed. And I'm fighting, like, for the first time. I'm fighting, I'm
0: like um, beating her up or beating him up or both of them.
1: Him. Oh, good. Um, because I mean, like it ain't her fault. I mean, I, she's doing her job. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've always been logical. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so she, I'm not real sure in the rush of things how it goes down, but basically. He hits her, oh, and her and I end up against him. Oh, okay. And so now,
0: so now y'all stand
1: a chance because I was kind right. of right. Like, okay. So you know, we get to the point to where he's just like, get out of the hotel room or whatever. You know, and uh actually, I knocked him out to be perfectly honest with you. So I mean, good for you, girl. I sit, <laughs> I sit there with her, and I'm like, just go. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. And she's like, are you going to be okay? And I'm like, no, this is my life. Well, she left and we had missed our, our flight and we had to, I, I it was so much attention when we got to the Vegas airport. I, my whole entire neck was black and blue, like black and blue. I had a black eye. I was missing a tooth.
0: Oh, dear uh, God
1: my arms are black and blue like the security's asking questions it was ridiculous um i make up all these ignorant stories uh we're trying to get a flight back you know
0: it kind of says just to put in a funny point it kind of says a lot that you guys drew so much attention in the vegas airport because i've been to vegas uh flying and man, those Sunday morning flights or whatever flights leaving Vegas, people always look rough. I've had people, you know, like I've seen people throwing up on airplanes
1: or whatever. But if you're looking that rough, that says right. <laughs> we we missed the flight and like we had spent all our money and we didn't have insurance or whatever. And by the grace of God, a woman that worked for the airlines. She pulled me off to the side. She said, I'm going to get you on this flight to get you home. Just please get some help. And I just remember thinking, I wish I could, you know, get some help. And what am I going to do? And on the airplane ride home, I I was starting to realize that it was coming to a head. Like, this is, this is going too far. And we'd get home, and we'd only been home for like a week or two, and he beat the snot out of me. It was the worst beating yet. I hadn't even recovered from the last one, and I was unconscious. The next thing I know, I'm in the hospital, and he had gone in of all things, walked into a Waffle House and tried to rob people in the Waffle House, <laughs> like, right, like, biscuit burglar, I'm in there. <laughs> so, like, and I'm not gonna, um, like, I, I wasn't gonna tell on him what he'd done for me, like, to me, but he was in trouble, like, for what he did, you know, and like I said, my mom <laughs> has been up all night the night before praying for God to remove him. And because he had been in trouble so many times, they said we're gonna give you. Because he had a water gun, wasn't even a real gun. I do not know what was going on. <laughs> um, like to this day, I have no clue what went wrong with that. <laughs> the or,
0: Vegas like, PTSD. You? I don't Vegas the too much. I don't know.
1: Like it was weird, but um, they give him six years flat like no good time day for day you're doing you know what I mean like you're doing it yeah you're doing it I
0: love that I I love
1: that for you and I did catch one felony while I was with him he had stole some diamonds that um I wasn't with him when he stole them but they had me on camera when he was pawning them so like I had a possession of stolen whatever and I managed to make it. I only got a year of probation. So, like, I completed my probation. Okay? So, like, I'm not in any kind of trouble. And I hear six years, you know, and you would think that that would be, like, okay, now I can get my life together, right? Like, this abuser, I can, you know, everything's going to be fine. I got my boys. um, It's going to be all right. But that's just not where I was at. I was addicted to him. Uh, once again i
0: probably broke your heart weirdly I was enough.
1: devastated yeah. i was devastated on a level to where it was like i was comatose and now i've got a drug problem like a, a bad, bad one thing. a bad one a bad one so and i'm an needle user but i cannot um like i can't you can't yourself up like mm-hmm. i have to have somebody do it for me especially with the way my veins look and everything
0: See, I was the one that did it for everyone that like yeah, was, good at, I, was
1: good at that, but I don't think. Yeah, I couldn't like, so, I uh, I'm going to wait for him, you know, the six years I'm going to wait it out. But the way I saw it was he cheated on me so much. What difference did it make? So, um, I don't know how I'm going to get out of it. So one thing I do know I can do because I was a medical assistant. um, I knew how to shoot up in my face, right? So I would do that, um, and I was starting to leave marks and stuff on my face that didn't look good. So uh, there was a like guy. In, are you talking about like in your neck? Nope. Oh, like your forehead? My forehead, and um, if you tie a, a belt around your neck tight enough, uh, you'll have veins come up on the side of your eyes. Oh, I've oh my god! I've heard then, of people doing that that I knew, um, that I knew would be there. Okay. And then also like in my hairline, there was a big vein. I have a scar there actually, um, from MRSA. But, um, so I, I call a guy that I used to work with at Outback. And at this point, I, I can't really keep up with my habits. So I'm actually injecting, uh, sub I'm breaking that down and that's, actually the doctors by the time it was over with us, said I would have been way better off just shooting up street street drugs because the subutex has calc in it and mm. it's not meant for your veins so I this guy is a different type of loser like he's not driven he's got some mental issues he's not dangerous or anything like that but he's just got problems and I'm like well I'm just going to be with this dude and that way I, he can shoot me up. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Um, and that's what I did. I've got my boys and um, we don't have a place to live. So we're kind of like bouncing from hotel to hotel. And I have never sold my body. Uh, I, it was just something that I couldn't do. So like I was doing parental activity and then I went and got a job as <laughs> Oh a god. cab driver oh uh oh and, god i bet oh god it was terrible so i'm living like yeah like uh, like i'm living out of a hotel driving this cab or whatever
0: and i as a kite driving a cab that's the kind of like, like probably
1: like, that's probably oh yeah i was it was horrible it's i, I can't even it was so dangerous like i, I know but,
0: but did that ever make you think because like okay so like i've can whenever I'm in certain areas of Dallas, like, that's where, well, or Tucson was way worse than Dallas. But anyways, I don't go to Tucson. But I, whenever I'm in certain areas of Dallas, I, I like, see the way these people drive. And I remember, like, I was always high. Because I've got to go through, like, this, like, Garland area on, uh, like, to get to Dallas. And it's, like, really, like, kind of, like, shisey. And that's where all, like, the game rooms and, like – because we don't have casinos, so they're, like, illegal game rooms and, you know, just that kind of stuff. And I'm always thinking to myself, like, you know, shit, like, I'm sober driving so good now. And I'm, I'm a little mommy – soccer mommy me now. But, like, how many of you mother-effers around me are high? Probably all of you. Like, you know what I mean? Right. I, I just, like, always have thought – I've always thought about that because I know how – And I'm like, oh, that's probably a stolen car that you're driving like that. There's no way. Like, you know, I'm just sitting here, like, thinking, like, about all the criminal stuff that goes on. And it's just crazy.
1: Yeah, it was crazy because, like, I really could hurt somebody. And and that upsets me. But that's just what I was doing. And my family knows that I'm homeless. They now know that um, I am shooting up because I've got marks on me and they can't find me. And they always loved me and believed in me. Um, so they thought if they took my boys that um, it would make me get sober. So it takes them a couple weeks to track me down. And um, Colby was actually at school. I hear a knock on the hotel door and there's a cop there. And um, mm-hmm. to take my son and, you know, I was raised with Southern class and things like that. So I, you know, I didn't act a donkey. And then I knew it would make it worse on Collins. Uh, How old
0: was he at the time?
1: Three. Okay. And um, it was horrible. Um, you know, they had a order to, you know, to take temporary custody of, of my children. They were like, don't show up at your older son's school because, you know, this and that. And I was just devastated. Um, I just, my drug addicted brain, it removed any kind of drive for me to get sober because like my mind thought I don't have a reason to live anymore. Like I don't have my kids. Like, the person I am today would be, like, get off the drugs. Like, get your kids back. But I thought I couldn't live without them. Like, I thought I would die. Like, I was, the three eight milligrams of Subutex is, that's the worst withdrawal. They're, they're, uh, and I just couldn't get through it. And a part of me died that day. And I know that that they were trying to help. And they were right for taking my children. They were 100% right for taking my children. But the next four years, a lot of mistakes were made. Um, because, because well,
0: yeah, I I I can um I I have a lot of empathy for you in that situation. I actually randomly watched um, in the, my when I was sober in California. I watched a CPS person and cops go up to one of our neighbors like across and um, take their kids and it was horrible and it's like burned in my brain watching the mom like literally just like took the kids right and the mom's like just it was awful yeah can't
1: imagine something um something died in me that day um something that I don't really think I'll ever get back
0: I hope you guys enjoyed part one of episode 15 of Fixed with Nicole. Now, Nicole and I went on for a long time. And many of you are sitting here thinking, wow, how much worse can it actually get, right? She just lost custody of her kids. Well, sadly, part two gets a lot worse before it gets better. So hang on. And don't miss a second of part two. I promise You're going to want to hear every word of this. I just didn't know if you guys could sit for three hours like Nicole and I did, but I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. So with the conclusion of episode 15 of Fixed, I'm your host, Jessica Danielle, signing out of part one of episode 15 with Nicole Victorious. And stay tuned for part two.